Hey friends, today's guest is Canadian singer, guitarist, and songwriter Jen Fiorentino from Markham, Ontario. I've known Jen for a number of years and was delighted to have her on the show to break down the single Survive from her 2019 album of the same name. We talk about the amazing niche that Jen has carved out for herself as a YouTube sensation, performing cover songs of some of her favorite artists for the last decade, and how that has given her a platform for her own original music. Jen took me through the song from its inception all the way through recording the album over the course of two years. Jen talked about other characters and colors that she was able to bring out in her voice due to producer Derek Downham pushing her while in the studio. And she has some of the nicest, most supportive parents I've ever met. So don't you dare go anywhere. This is a fun one. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. I was in Port Charlotte, Florida, where I grew up. This would have been around 2012, maybe 13. And I'm out with an old friend of mine one night. And out of nowhere, he just says, hey, have you ever heard of Jen Fiorentino? I said, no, I have not. And (laughs) he took me down your YouTube wormhole one night. And it was just unreal the uh, portfolio that you've built on YouTube. Jen does cover songs from everybody from, uh, and this is just a, a short list, Rise Against, The Menzingers, Propagani, No Effects, Offspring, Social Distortion, Mill and Colin, and yes, she even did a Less Than Jake song, and I was flattered. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Jen, <laughs> uh, I was completely impressed from the word go. Uh, there's a ton of stuff, as everybody knows, on YouTube. A lot of stuff that you have to comb through uh, to get to the good stuff. And I was immediately impressed with Jen's voice, her charisma, just your attitude, everything that you bring to your covers, uh, which y- you've went viral. And, uh, as far as I'm concerned on YouTube, you've amassed over 12 million views and almost 60,000 subscribers at this point. That is remarkable. Congratulations. Thanks, Chris. It's uh, very, very impressive. You've done a bunch of touring on your own. Of course, you're, you're a, a fixture at the Pooza Fest in Montreal, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite festivals, and uh, got to, I wonder if this is the first time I met you or had I met you at a Warp Tour. You came yeah. down to play Fest in Gainesville, and I got to meet your parents as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't tell everyone that. <laughs> Her parents accompanied her to the fest, the, the dirtiest place on earth, the fest in Gainesville. 3,000 3, punk rockers converge. Oh, my God. They only it came to my fe- show, though. <laughs> <laughs> it gives Pooza Fest a run for its money and, and filthiness. Yeah. Yeah, I think, what was I? I think like 24 at the time or something. I was just going to go down by myself. My parents were like, we're not letting you drive to Florida by yourself. Like, we're coming on this trip with you. <laughs> well, I only bring that up because I, I had no idea. I just figured your parents wanted to come to Florida on vacation. Exactly. I thought it was I thought it, I thought it was endearing. I didn't uh, mean that in any way, any way weird. But, oh, no, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it was ni- but, it's uh, nice to it's nice to have supportive parents. Absolutely no, and your and, and your show was great. And like I said, I've just I've been an I've been a fan and I've been a friend for a long time. And I said I got to get Jen on the show. Like I said, you've been been hitting the pavement out there, uh, just just rocking for a number of years now. You put out your third full length record in April 2019, which is called Survive, mm-hmm. and that is the title track that we're going to be uh, going to be breaking down today. So take us back to the uh, inspiration behind the song and and uh, when you wrote it. I think I I'd say I wrote it probably about five or six years ago. It's funny, it's, it's actually, I was, do you know the artist Tovlo? I don't. She's, uh, you've probably heard some of her songs. She, she has that song, um, I gotta stay high. I gotta stay high all the time to keep you up my mind. Ooh, 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 high so I started listening to her a lot and she has like some of the best melodies I've ever heard and I think I had her song Paradise stick, stuck in my head, like one of her older songs. And somehow this melody for the course just kind of came to me. So I guess I'd say the melody itself was inspired by Tovlo's style. Um, mm-hmm. And she's like just pure pop. So it's it's a fairly like poppy sounding melody. But um, in terms of the subject matter, it's it's a pretty personal song. I was sort of writing it when I was in a pretty like detrimental relationship 
Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was with this guy for like a year and um, and it brought out a lot of like really deep-seated emotions in me. And I think when I was writing it, I didn't even really know what I was writing. I just wrote it and like, and looking back on it, I'm like, oh, okay. I, I now know where all this stuff was coming from. You know, after after that relationship ended, I, I had to like, I, I, I sort of like was like driven to go to therapy and everything for mental oh, wow. health. Yeah. And um, and looking back on it, I'm like, oh, I completely understand where I was coming from now. <laughs> yeah. So did it did it take you a little bit after you were out of the relationship, maybe had some therapy, then the song came out? Yeah. So I think I was actually in the midst of writing it still while I was in the relationship. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I didn't like produce it and release it until afterwards. But um yeah, it was it was just a kind of a weird phase in my life cuz uh I know he had a lot of uh like mental health issues as well and that tends to bring it out in the partner. Um Sure. Yeah, and it was cool. It, like it was a really like eye-opening experience though, so I'm really happy all of it happened, but yeah, that's sort of like the period that this song reflects in my life. It's, it was kind of like a dark period in my life, but I sort of came out with this song and this album that was really empowering and like a huge release for me. That's so interesting with, with artists that we have to go through torture sometimes to get the best material out of us. I don't know yeah. why that is. Oh, hun- <laughs> when yeah. I, you know, you've seen bands go on to, to, to fame and fortune after they were, you know, from, from rags to riches, so to speak. And why is their early stuff so good? It's like, well, because they were depressed and they were hungry. And then, you know, now they're in the mansion in Malibu and uh, they, they don't got, know what to write about. <laughs> yeah, they got nothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can relate, you know, there's a couple tracks on the latest uh, Less Than Jake record that, that were penned lyrically by myself about 10 years ago. They were just sitting in a journal mm-hmm. and I was just revisiting it and I came across these these two separate lyrics and I was like, wow, you know, the pain isn't in the forefront of my mind anymore, but I can still live these lyrics and I feel like they still speak to me and they could speak to somebody else. And that's mm-hmm. really, really interesting how, how that happens. So do you remember... And I'm kind of trying to get in your songwriting process. Do you remember if the song was written musically or were the lyrics first or was it was it a combination of both? I know the lyrics for the chorus, the lyrics and the uh, and the vocal melody came first. And then I immediately started writing the guitar part. And so then it all kind of like it was like kind of like a synergistic writing process where I, mm-hmm. I was writing the, the vocals, the lyrics and the and the music all together. Or do you usually write a song and then have to finish it right then? Or will you come back to it and maybe change a lyric? Or or do you have to sit down and finish it when you start? No, I usually, it usually takes me a while to finish a song. Like I write it over a span of days or weeks or lately it's been years. (laughs) I've had all these like (laughs) unfinished songs that I've been like just trying to tackle, but I don't like, it's not something I've, I've ever wanted to like force. Yeah, there's a lot of people, a lot of people that come on the show, a lot of artists that that say, "Oh yeah, I just I wrote this in five minutes. The whole thing was done." And just that amazes me. I mean, yeah. I've maybe written like two or three songs like that in my whole life. I have to labor over something. I can't just put pen to paper and, and have something come out. Usually, it's uh, I, I find that to be be very difficult for myself. Yeah. So, how did Derek Downham, the producer, get involved? How'd you how'd you hook up with him? Uh, well, I met him probably like over a decade ago um, at this like okay. hole in the wall show that I was playing in Toronto called Not My Dog. And not not to say it was a <laughs> hole in the wall, but it was. <laughs> it's, it's not even there anymore. But he, he went there a lot because he lived in the area. And uh, and yeah, I was just playing there one night and he saw me playing and, and approached me and bought my EP at the time. He was a touring drummer and um, I don't think he was producing at the time. So it never really crossed my mind to work with him. So mm-hmm. for my second album, I ended up going to another studio. And that was a other process in itself. And <laughs> and then I think uh, when I was looking to record Survive, I posted on Facebook, you know, I was I was looking for, for a new producer. And he messaged me and told me he was producing. And we started the the pre-production process, which was really valuable. Why do you think, or did he ever tell you why he thought you should do a full length? Or why he didn't think an, e- an EP was what you should uh, do at that point? The way he put it was that a label wouldn't want just an EP. So he w- he sort of had that that whole mind frame of, you know, I release a full length album, the label picks it up, and then they get me a manager, all this stuff. So that was that was his reasoning. And I was like, oh, okay, a label could help me a lot. So let's do a full length. 
and who played on the record? Did he did he help you put a band together? No, he's an incredibly talented musician. So he played everything that I didn't play. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which was amazing okay. because he's also the producer. So instead of him having to communicate what he was thinking to the players, he just played it. <laughs> did you play guitar on the on the track? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, okay, my main okay. parts were uh, acoustic guitar and, and um, vocals and harmonies. And I think I played like a little bit of electric, but he really just came up with some really good stuff. So I was like, you know what? The the end product is what, what counts. So I just sure. told him, you know, do your thing. Were the drums programmed or did he play the actual drums? Uh, he played them. Some of them were programmed. I, like I think the songs um, Criminal and Dream Collectors were mostly programmed. And then here and there he would add like real symbols it was a pretty cool okay. mix of things that we did actually talented guy yeah because the bass playing on this song is incredible it's really yeah. really really interesting yeah really yeah, that's cool him. <laughs> how how long from start to finish to take you to do the record i'd say it probably took like two years so this was something that was you know drawn out it wasn't just yeah you went in for two weeks and cut the record yeah it was pretty drawn out um you know being like a like an independent independently funded artist you know i've i've mm -hmm. i've never gotten any funding from factor or anything so it just means i need it, it's just gonna take longer because you know people are helping me out with money and stuff and i sort of just accepted that like okay this will be done when it's done and yeah it, it took a little while and then and then it probably took me another year after that to figure out how i wanted to release it and then when i released it i was like oh it was like a sigh of relief <laughs> Less than Jake, we had to sit on a record for almost a year since we recorded it, and luckily, I still think it sounds fresh, and I'm I'm still happy with it. Uh, sometimes when you sit on something that long, it's it, it you're kind of yeah. I'm almost d deflated from wanting to even release it because you have so much new stuff. Were you, were you still happy with it at that point? Oh, hundred percent. I I actually still listen to this album and absolutely love it, which I can't say about my other two albums um, mm -hmm. because like on those albums, the songwriting and the production just weren't really like I wasn't there yet with that stuff and then mm. with survive like it's just like a product that I feel is is complete this track did strike me as a little uh, more pop leaning than what I'm used to you sounding like it was a little surprising not yeah. in a bad way and I'm assuming that a lot of that had to do with Derek uh yeah yeah I'd say so um like he, he definitely thought that I should sort of take a little bit more of a pop route, which I agreed with. Like I, I love a lot of pop music and mm -hmm. even a lot of the punk music I listen to is it has very poppy melodies. Sure. Um, but he's also really good in that he knows, like I remember uh, I was talking to my friend Chuck Coles once uh, from mm -hmm. Creepshow and a million other bands, but <laughs> he was saying that when he met Derek, um, I think it was at a show that Chuck had played and Derek came up to him and he named off a bunch of Chuck's influences. And so it's almost like Derek can hear an artist and he, he can hear their roots, which is really unique. And so I think, okay. you know, deep, like he knows, he knew that, you know, I'm, I'm like obsessed with like punk music and ska music <laughs> and stuff. So he, he definitely wanted to keep that in there. Do you get the same feelings when you go out to play live when you're playing uh, a rise against or a social distortion song as you do your own material or is it different and the reason i ask that and I w i'll get your answer in a moment is because i don't really enjoy playing covers mostly and i'm sure and this isn't being self-deprecating i'm sure some fans would, would disagree I just don't do them that well. I don't. I don't really get up there. I, you know, it's just I, I can do them and and whatever. But I feel where I really shine is my own material when I get behind my own stuff. I also don't feel that I do covers the justice that you do, and I'm not trying to patronize you in any way. I really mean that you. These covers you do are insane. They are so good. Do you get the same feeling, or or, or do you like one over the other, or or, or are they the same? <clears throat> Well, it's it's funny because when I start when I first started performing, like in my late teens, uh, I never played covers, and I, I I almost refused to do it as well because I <laughs> I started out like I started out writing poems when I was a kid, and then that developed into songwriting. So I was first and foremost a songwriter, and then I don't know I I, I started um, I don't I don't remember like what the first like punk cover I learned was, but um, I'm so I feel so connected with the music that I almost feel like they become my own songs in a way. So I, I do, f I feel 
I feel really good when I'm playing when I'm playing the covers as well. Um, well. I can tell that you own them. It's not just some person sitting off in a bar playing Tom Petty covers. You just They're just going through the motions. This is something real, which if you look at what you've amassed with, with your <laughs> 12 million views, 60,000 subscribers, and that's predominantly, not to take anything away from your solo material, that's predominantly from, from all the covers that you've done. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it really, it really has went viral. Like I said, I'm sitting in a bar. I don't even know if you know where Port Charlotte, Florida is. Most people don't. And and my buddy's telling me about you. And ever since then, it's just been, you know, it's been been great, to, great to follow your career. So getting into the song, the song starts out with this acoustic intro and almost these these muted. I'm calling them in my notes, muted drums. Yeah. You know, they're just kind of subdued. And there, there's some, some interesting little fills there. And that's for about 15 seconds. And then the band kicks in and it's rocking. For about almost another 15 seconds, to the 28-second mark, the first lyric of the first verse comes in, and it breaks down. And we'll get to that in a second. But the intro, was that written as it was, or was that something that you worked with, worked on with Derek in the studio? My part that I played on acoustic, that's, that's what, I, like, I wrote that. And actually that part was inspired, I think at the time I was learning um, the song Dark Matters by Propagandi. Mm-hmm. And they have this cool, um, I think they're playing like a, it's a D minor and they're doing, just like playing a cool little like arpeggio thing with it. And I think that's what kind of inspired me to write that intro. Is there a song Capo on the third fret? Because I noticed that you. No, no, it's not. It's uh, oh, okay. no Capo on that. It's it's weird the the things that I get inspiration from sometimes because like like the Tovlo song and the Propagandi song like they don't they don't really sound like the song but that's kind of <laughs> like where my head was at and then it led me to to write these things. <laughs> As you know from learning their songs, Propagandi has some of the most interesting chordal arrangements of any band. Yeah. They're just absolutely incredible yeah. what that band does. It's so just the the textures of, of, of what the chords are, are doing with each other. So that's really interesting for you to say that. Uh, so getting into the first verse, let, um, I'll have you set this one up. I'm going to say the lyrics here. The image of an end setting in as the angels drift in the wind. I'm following a crack in the road bound to explode into a whole new world beyond that sleeping girl the innocence fades in me yeah and you probably never had your lyrics spoke to you some people look at me really weird <laughs> yeah huh. what does it all mean <laughs> yeah how do i answer is that a question <laughs> yeah um it's really about like personal growth um like not necessarily becoming like a grown up because that's that doesn't interest me. <laughs> I don't want to be a grown up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think just, just um, like I said, I was kind of like in, in a little bit of a dark place and the songs, it's really about personal growth and sort of like breaking free from, from any insecurities and boundaries that, that were like keeping me from, from being happy really. And uh, I think when I said an image of an end, it kind of sounds like I'm thinking like, Oh, I want my life to be over. Which, you know, sometimes it would like it, it might cross my mind, like when I was going through that phase and especially being an artist and stuff. It's uh, I think it's something that people ponder sometimes. But I think more what I what I want was looking for was just kind of like a, a change of consciousness and mm-hmm. sort of getting like at the time I was just living in the suburbs with my parents. And I remember like going for walks some nights and just looking around and everything looks the same and i just i just wanted something new one hit thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know each week we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget and we decide if they brought the one hit thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. 
Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Did that lyric and the image of an end, was that like the image of the end of the relationship and, and what's beyond it type? Yeah, yeah. They could have represented that for sure. I, yeah, yeah, just like trying to, just wanting to escape into something new. And were these specifically lyrics or was this something that you were just kind of like a, a catharsis? You were you were writing these down in a journal, just a journal? Because I know a lot of therapists will tell their patients to write because that sometimes gets gets stuff out. And I know that because I saw a therapist some, some years ago uh, when I was going through my divorce. And it is like a stream of consciousness where you may not be able to articulate or say uh, you know, to somebody what you're feeling, but if you put pen to paper, you can. So was this written as a song or was this just something you were jotting down to get it off your chest? Uh, I think at the time, it, like a, a lot of my lyrics, I do kind of just like jot down here and there. So I think this is probably one of the lines that I kind of just like wrote down. Um, mm hmm. And you're right, though, like my therapist just says, like, I need to be writing every single day, especially being like a creative person. And I, I don't and I, I, I need to sort of work on doing it more. Like, I just find that any like uh, issues I have with anxiety or panic attacks and stuff, they start to worsen if I'm not connecting with my inner self and mm -hmm. reflecting and writing and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think I think a lot of the song was kind of just like I would be, just be jotting it down and then it all came together, which is how I write a lot of my lyrics. It's good to be conscious of that though and know and there and there's a reason why therapists tell you to write. <laughs> They're not yeah. just saying it. There's 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 got to be got to be something behind it and I actually found those notes from years ago when I was going through that breakup mm -hmm. and it, it, none of the the journaling that I did at the time made it into a song. I don't think it could. It was really dark. And some of it I, I was able to laugh at years later when I was cleaning out a drawer and say, thank God I don't feel like that anymore. You know? Yeah, that's good. It's good <laughs> so to be able to laugh at it. So thankful I got past it and, and, and maybe I wouldn't have had I not jotted it down. So that's uh, really interesting. We get into the first chorus and, and it's full band. The big guitars, it's like the lights go on. Yeah. <laughs> and And it's kind of out of nowhere. There's no pre-chorus in this song. It just, it really just hits you. And the lyric here is, and I've wandered through the same nights, blinding myself in the starlight, screaming out. I've lost the desire to be alive, but I found it when I saw you on the same plane in the same room, screaming out. Are you living life as if you died or are you dying to survive? And before you set that up, the one line in here, I've lost the desire to be alive, is that struck me as something a little different. I haven't really heard you do like a falsetto thing. Was that something that Derek brought or, or, or you, you had originally in the song? Yeah, that was, uh, that was something that I, I had originally wrote. You did? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I don't see you doing too much of that. I mean, you don't really get too much falsetto in punk, you know, the, the, the heavier punk rock songs you're doing, but that, that was uh, a little surprising for me. So set up this, uh, this chorus for us. Yeah, the falsetto thing is funny, though, because I, I, I never really did it before this album. Okay, I, I've never heard you do it, and I've seen a bunch of your stuff. Yeah, I think my, my vocal range started to expand a little bit, and I was taking some vocal lessons with a friend, so I think that just kind of got me to start doing it more. <laughs> yeah, I, I you don't want to hear my falsetto. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough, especially singing this, this course. Like, sometimes I'll be singing this song, and I'm just like, why do I make things so hard for myself because <laughs> for our listeners fa falsetto for those that don't know is a voice that is really not your natural singing voice you're going to go in and, and kind of fake a voice essentially it's a another part of our vocal range that uh, if you don't embrace that and work on it as you know yeah. it's it's really it's really difficult and if you were to go out and play a show and your voice was teetering on not that great that night <laughs> falsetto's really tough to hit yeah <laughs> yeah, I've been there, and I and I can't hit that in my uh, I don't know what it's called true voice or something. I can't remember the terminology. Uh -huh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and you're behind the curtain. You're there with your acoustic guitar. You're about to go on, and all that's in your head is, oh my gosh, I've lost the desire to be alive. That line, everything else is fine, but that line, <laughs> oh no, it's like, oh, I just want to die. <laughs> oh, and I've wait, there's there's songs that are in the higher part of my register, not falsetto, that I have been behind the curtain going, how am I going to hit that tonight? Yeah. I have no voice. You know, it's nerve wracking. Yeah. So 
coming out of this chorus and you're immediately back in to the acoustic guitar and what I'm calling the subdued drums. Everything breaks right back down. Up to this point in the arrangement, was everything the same or had it gone through any changes? Was there a part maybe leading into the second verse musically that you decided to cut or Derek decided to cut? Or was this pretty much how the song was written? I'm pretty sure we rearranged it a little bit from what I remember. I know that a lot of my songs, when I brought them to Derek, they were either too long or or the structure just wasn't there yet. So I think that is, uh, that's definitely one of the parts that, that we cut out a little and just kind of like jumped right into the verse. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. This Going into the parts here, it, it seemed like there was some thought of, of, of arranging. It doesn't seem like it's just boom and here we go. It's, it seemed like there was a little uh, finesse going on. Yeah. Uh, in this second verse, I noticed, and I'll get to the lyrics in a moment, but I noticed halfway through, the, the walk down bass lines halfway through, um, they happen earlier here than in the first verse. In the first verse, there's just some interesting bass near the very end, but there's some cool bass playing here. Yeah. And again, you, 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 that's, uh, that's attributed to Derek, who played bass on the record. Yeah, I agree. It, I really love that part. Did he have this different bass lines, or did he just play it and you came in one day and heard it, or were you there when he was tracking it? I was there, yeah. I was there when he was tracking it, and um, and yeah, we were like kind of just walking through it together, and I was just kind of communicating with him what I wanted to do there. And then he played it. So I guess that was like a little bit of both of us writing that part. So you were kind of hearing some busy bass going on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it, cool. it just provides like a really good buildup into the course that just kind of like explodes. Right. So. It's, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially because the verse is so kind of like somber and, and almost more empty. Mm-hmm. And then it builds up. And then, yeah, then the course. You're in a sleeping boy because you're in. No, it really works well here, but sometimes that, that's dangerous territory when you get an instrument that's going busy, and that bass is pretty busy there, but it's it's just interesting enough not to clash with the subdued melody line that you have going. It's it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, the, lyric, the lyric is, The hope of an end setting in as the angels dance in the wind. I'm begging for a new point of view and writing to you. A message to destroy your inner sleeping boy because your ignorance phases me. I think that's probably a little bit um, about the relationship. <laughs> I like the line, your inner, your inner sleeping boy. And yeah. I, I, that jumps out at me now that I know a little bit of the song's inspiration. Is that just basically saying that this guy hasn't kind of grown up yet? Yeah, it's, um, it's funny because, yeah, when I, started, um, when I started going to therapy sessions and stuff, the method that my therapist uses is psychotherapy. So it gets like right down to the root of of any emotional um, trauma or whatever. And he sort of talks about like our inner child, which a lot of times growing up, especially if you if you experience like traumatic events or whatever, um, you have you have a hard time letting go of of that child inside of you because that child is almost trying to protect you. Mm-hmm. But it also it also keeps you from, you know, being free and it can it can cause you to sort of be be ignorant or or not pay attention to your partner that sort of thing so i think that's kind of what i was getting at with those because i say in the first lyric um um beyond that sleeping girl so i'm i'm mm-hmm. talking about myself as well and i think part of growing is sort of being able to let go of that inner child do you feel that you're kind of this happens in relationships that you were both going through the motions so to speak kind of yeah. sleeping through it yeah 100 percent and that's why I say, like, I'm so, I'm really happy, like, I'm really grateful for that experience because it, like, I came out feeling a lot more empowered and conscious of, of myself. Yeah, it's, it's weird how we do that as humans. It's not just with uh, love relationships, it could be friend relationships where mm-hmm. even though you're not that stoked on it, there's a comfort in being together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you stay, you stay wallowing in misery. I, I don't know why that is. It's, it's, you're, you're, I guess you're afraid to to go beyond it yeah yeah like um like you know like at a conscious level like you know it's it's not healthy for you but subconsciously mm-hmm. you're so attached for some reason 
And that's mm-hmm. that's why reflecting and, and therapy and stuff is, is so powerful because it sort of traces your emotions back to that, that attachment and, yeah, just kind of tells you what's happening. So the second verse, again, much like the first verse, goes straight into the second chorus, and it just, it just hits you. These big guitars come back in. Uh, and I've wandered through the same nights, blinding myself in the starlight, screaming out, I've lost a desire to be alive. But I found it when I saw you on the same plane in the same room, screaming out, are you living life as if you've died, or are you dying to survive? There's a lot of lyric there for a chorus. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot of information. Was there ever any talk of changing it up here or for subsequent choruses or was this enough information you felt i don't think there was any talk of changing it because that was the whole melody right there and Mm -hmm. we might have changed one or two notes or something but i i don't think we changed the lyrics at all yeah it wasn't so much the whole lyric it'd be like you know what let's change the last line here let's Mm -hmm. let's change the fourth line or something just a, a, a extra bit of ear candy but a lot of times you'll do that if a chorus is really repetitive which this isn't this is a lot of information there's a lot of words here yeah yeah so we yeah so we just repeated the course um like three times throughout the song and yeah it, it was fine so we come out of that second chorus here and the band goes halftime Everything breaks yeah. to halftime for the bridge here. And there's uh, two uh, OOs. In- <laughs> I put my notes here. <laughs> oh, oh, what does that mean? There, there's a couple OOs. <laughs> and then there's, then there's a final ooh, ooh, ooh that you do <laughs> before we get into a breakdown. And this breakdown's cool. It's uh, just the acoustic guitar, and it almost sounds like a, a, a cracking record on a turntable. audible it's there and it just i don't know it adds this this cool little layer there yeah i know what i know exactly what you mean but i i can't remember where it came from (laughs) or if it was like one of the one of the microphones like leveling out or something i feel like it was an effect that we threw in there okay yeah it honestly sounds like when you first put a record on before it starts you know it's just kind of yeah. Kind of cracking if, if it's uh, you haven't taken care of the record too well or if you have a bad needle, one of both. Yeah. Or both. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a cool, cool thing. Um, the uh, acoustic guitars are there and I'm calling it again, the subdued drums. And then there's this crazy drum fill at the end of this part that almost seems like it shouldn't fit. I had to rewind this thing like five times. Like, yeah. does that work musically? And it does. And I've wondered- it's really trippy. And then it goes into uh, what I'm calling here the vocal fake out because you you come in with the vocal or the guitar. It says, I've wandered through the same nights, blinded myself in the starlight, screaming out. I've lost the desire to be alive. And that's just alone by yourself. And mm-hmm. then the band kicks in there. That part, when it came back in with the chorus, was there talk of having the full band there or was it always we want to break? Because after the breakdown, it, it's you, you wouldn't think that that would happen. Yeah, there. I think originally um, my thought was to just have it come right back in with the band. And mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah, it was either Derek or, or Tim, the engineer and studio owner. It, it was one of their ideas to uh, to do just the just the acoustic guitar and my vocals. And I thought it like it was it worked out really well. Yeah. And those first two lines, it's uh, just the guitar and vocal. And then. The kick drum comes in. There's eight kick drum hits on the screaming out. Yeah. I've lost a desire to be alive. And then back into the full band. But I found it when I saw you on the same plane in the same room screaming out. Are you living life as if you died? Here you don't get the last line, though. You don't yeah. get oh, or are you dying to survive? It flips, yeah. which is cool, which is cool. That line's not sung. I'm, I'm calling this the turnaround. And you get into almost two full choruses. And I've wandered through the same nights, blinding myself in the starlight, screaming out, I've lost a desire to be alive. But I found it when I saw you on the same plane in the same room, screaming out. And then there's double time on the snare here. And you get that ex- same, uh, same exact lyric again. And then it ends on that suspense chord of C. It never res- I call it the suspense chord. It never mm-hmm. resolves to the G. Yeah. Which I love that in songs. I'm a sucker for that. And I probably do it too much. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't always want the song to resolve. It, it kind of like leaves people waiting for something. <laughs> it, it's haunting. And if it's yeah. done right, if it's done right, I always I've called it a cliffhanger before. It's almost like this isn't over. 
Yeah. You know, versus when you resolve back to that root note, that root chord, it's like, bring, yeah. it's over, bye, good night. Yeah. When it doesn't do that, uh, was it always ending on C or, or did you ever resolve? No, I'm pretty sure it was, it always just ended on C. Yeah. Because that's, yeah, that's, that's how I, and I think anything that resolves was probably Derek's idea. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, okay. <laughs> so no arguments about it. You just said, no, I want it to go to C. Yeah. Speaking of arguments, in the studio, any disagreements with Derek or was it was it a pretty good, you know, did you, did you ever butt heads? Uh, one time I was eating a piece of pizza and he got mad at me because I was about to sing into a really expensive mic. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, which is fair. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I don't want you spitting all over my $4,000 microphone. Yeah. Other than that, no, it was, uh, we got along really well. And I found that before making this album, I was always really like kind of a control freak when it came mm -hmm. to my music. And I, I didn't want to let someone else have it and do their thing with it. That's hard to do. Yeah. But with Derek, like I, I think because I knew how good he was and how much he believed in my songs, it was just a lot easier to do that. I guess what I was getting at, do you, do you feel that he pushed you? He did push me, yeah. Not just a musical, but from a vocal perspective, because that's why I've loved working with producers. Uh, I've talked about him on the show a number. I actually had him as a guest on the show, Howard Benson, who's done a number of Less Than Jake records. Mm -hmm. He kicked my ass in the studio yeah i mean he did he he beat me into submission but it was the looking back it was the greatest thing i could have ever had happened to me it made me a better vocalist all around not just in the studio but it translated live too which i never at the time ever would, could have imagined it, it doing yeah oh yeah 100 percent. he definitely pushed my vocals and especially with some of the harmonies i was i was going into ranges that i never really thought i could go into it's, it's weird though because like all a lot of times I'll, I get kind of nervous in the studio and sometimes when, when Derek was like pushing me vocally, I hold a lot of tension in my throat and so I would get even more tense. <laughs> so it's like, well, oh. you got a, you, you got a rasp to your voice. Yeah. It's a great rasp. It's a punky rasp. It's awesome. And I think that's probably this tightness in your throat that you're speaking of that, that comes across in your, in your music. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it's funny because I don't smoke or anything. It's just kind of there. I, and I think it's uh -huh. from I think it's from learning how to sing basically from like Tim Micklerath and, and Jason Cruz and stuff like, you know, people who guys who who have that raspiness to their voice. Yeah, I don't know how Tim screams like that all night. I, I would kill me. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> I'm so appreciative of uh, like I, I just started listening to a lot of like heavy metal music. Uh huh. Like just over the past couple of years, and my it boggles my mind how these guys do those things with their voices, and and women oh, too. There's women in the music scene too that just like I don't know how how they do it. It's it's incredible. I I've we played a festival, a Greenfield Festival with Sepultura a number of years ago, and I've known Derek, their singer, and he gets off stage after screaming for an hour, <laughs> and gets always like. Hey man, how's it going? I'm like, how the <laughs> hell do you have a voice still? Yeah. Are you are you subhuman? What are you? Like <laughs> I think it gosh. is like subhumanism. <laughs> <laughs> I can't totally. think of any other explanation. <laughs> so do you remember, Jen, when you first played this song to a live audience? And was it before you recorded it? Oh yeah. Yeah. I was um I think I was playing it for a couple years before before well, not uh before I recorded it. I was playing it for a little bit before I recorded it, but before I released it. I definitely was uh, was playing it live quite a bit. Like I know okay. I played it at Pizza Fest and stuff, and and got some really good feedback from it. So yeah, I saw a couple of live videos. Do you, was it uh, immediate reaction with your fans after you after they they knew the song? They put the record out. You remember playing it live after the record was out and the response you got? This has always been the one that people are singing after, mm -hmm. even just hearing it like for the first time, like hearing me play it live. Like they they would always tell me like that. I can't get that song stuck out of my head, and I've heard you play it once. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's the single. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's really good. And that's, it's so comforting when there's an immediacy to your music to, to, yeah. to people. Yeah. Because a lot of times there's not. When I've talked about this on the show where you're convinced the song on the record, it's going to translate live and you play it and it's just, it doesn't get the reaction that you, that you hope for, for whatever reason. It's a great album track, but it doesn't translate. And I've had it happen the opposite too, or something I don't think is going to, going to hit. And it just does. And people mm -hmm. say, I can't get this song out of my head. And, and you as the artist, I can't figure out why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even like that song. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause we, we don't write it for ourselves 
You know, I, yeah. I, I say we, we do. We write it because it, it comes out of us. But once it's out of us, it's, you know, it's for anybody that listens to it. You kind of you mm-hmm. kind of let go of it and it becomes theirs at that point. They take possession of it. Uh, so right now, Jen has agreed to do something special. This doesn't happen often on Krista Makes a Podcast. But Jen has been kind enough to play Survive Acoustic for us. So take it away. Oh, God, I got to get my guitar. <laughs> Jen, well, thank you for playing for us. Thank you for having me. This has been an awesome experience. Well, thank you. It's been a long time coming. It's in the sense that I haven't talked to you in a while. And I thought mm-hmm. about having you on the other day. I said, I got to contact Jen. And you were immediately gracious to step on the show. So I appreciate it. Uh, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Anything you're promoting solo? Uh, anything else going on in your life you'd like to let them know about? Not promoting a whole lot right now. Mostly, uh, I just kind of started getting back into the YouTube thing. I took a little break for a while because I, I developed like really like a, a problem with my ears that I sort of have been able to deal with and, and navigate and stuff. So I, I just started posting um, covers again. So people are really happy to, to have me back. So check those out. I, I posted a propaganda one recently and an against me one. And I know Laura Jane Grace was on the show, which... Uh, which was a really good episode. So yeah, 
That's it. I know you're good. A lot of times, <laughs> you know, pe- a lot of times people will say, yeah, I know I'm good. But, you know, you, you do these covers just amazing justice. You put your own spin on them. Did it what did it surprise you at any point you're like amassing all these fans? I mean, it's incredible what you put together on YouTube. It really is. Thank you. Um yeah, it kind of did surprise me a little bit. To be honest, like right when I started posting these videos, right off the bat I was accumulating views and fans. And it, they just kind of kept going up. And I, there's always like a little bit of I think like imposter syndrome with me where it's like, oh, am I really good? Like I don't like this about like my voice in this recording and stuff. Like I'm super picky with 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 my recordings. Um, but I guess that's a good way to be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, sometimes like I'm I'm a little bit surprised by it, but I think I've just gotten to the point where I've just accepted that people like hearing me play acoustic guitar and sing. <laughs> Well, they, they definitely do, and I do, and you you do an amazing job, and it's just, it, it's awesome. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today, and I hope to talk to you sooner than later. Yes, thank you, Chris. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to make a podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is Smiths, a ska punk reggae band from Honolulu, Hawaii. Smiths is Johnny Random on rhythm guitar and vocals, David Garvin on lead guitar, Taylor Rice on bass guitar, and Nick Sticks on the drums. Here's a snippet of their song, In an Earthquake. and Chris. You know, Chris, there's a lot of people that will turn their nose up at people doing cover songs or posting videos of covers or performing them live. But the fact of the matter is when you see someone like Jen, who not only was able to sharpen her own skills, whether that's singing or playing guitar, but also sharpen her skills of performing and then parlay that into her own original music where she's already built a fan base based on herself as a performer it's just like the perfect storm. So I, for one, will stick up for that every time. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, I never thought I would have heard her say at the at the end of the episode when I asked her, she said that she started out playing originals. She hated, loathed the idea of doing cover songs, which is so crazy to me because she her covers are just amazing. And as you know, there's a glut of uh, people playing covers on YouTube and you, you, uh, we've seen them all, but just she just stands out. My friend told me about her initially. I went and checked out her stuff and I was immediately hooked. She's just, she owns every cover that she does she puts her own stamp on it and and they're awesome and you'd be hard pressed to find a band or artist who didn't start by playing cover songs and be able to hone their skills no it's the covers are are another part of her um you know musical passion which is just completely evident i even mentioned the episode about you know people that just do covers sitting over in a corner of the bar just a paycheck it's just it's just another tom petty cover it's just another eagles cover but she she completely uh she completely owns it she makes it her own thing and she's able to straddle that with having her own original stuff that's very difficult for some people to do am i a cover artist am i this and i had said to her i have a hard time doing covers i'd i'd much rather play my own material but but she seems to have embraced both 
I think that's a good point about the person in the corner playing the songs for a paycheck, or I've seen those bands playing at the casino where it's just emotionless players up oh, there just a dime a dozen. going through the motions. Sometimes they'll even have an iPad with the, with the music and lyrics in front of them, and you're like, oh, okay. But with Jen, whether she's playing an original or a cover, just like you said, you see the emotion behind it, and she has a very unique character to her voice, which we've talked about on here before, how important that is, that it's not just some run-of-the-mill voice. She's a great player, she's a great guitarist, but also she has this rasp and this character to her voice mm-hmm. that really makes it stand out. Well, it's it's very easy to you know to make a cover sound I don't know what word I'm going for here uh, wimpy or soft when you're playing on an acoustic guitar and then combine that with you know women have a, a little softer voice just the, the tone of their voice and she she just kills it with her covers she she sounds tough when she's doing them she does each and every one justice it doesn't matter if it's the rise against cover the propaganda cover to the less than Jake to the no effects she puts her own uh, own spin on it and it's great on top of that, regardless of what gender you are, I don't see a lot of people doing propaganda covers out there, so that's that's pretty badass, too. And I, I, I know we've been talking about the covers the whole time, but as an original artist, she's awesome, too. And, and I loved hearing about this song. She opened up about how deeply personal it was, and I think that comes through, and that's what makes a great song when there's actual real emotion behind it. Yeah, definitely a story behind this song. She she opened up as as a number of our our guests do here about the the, the raw emotion and the pain that inspired the song. It's uh, she went through a lot. She she had to go into therapy for it, and it was really cool of her her to share that with us. And and yeah, Chris, not to talk too much about you know the cover songs with her, but it's just fascinating to think of what she's done uh, to build up twelve million views, uh, almost sixty thousand subscribers on YouTube, and it's just testament to how how good her stuff is. Yeah. That's true. That's an awesome platform that she built for herself by covering great songs, doing an awesome job of covering them. Then you built this platform for yourself that when she did release original music, when the Survive album came out, you have this captive audience. She should be teaching a class on how to use YouTube <laughs> to your advantage and for promotion. You know, it's it's the perfect way. It's almost, you know, you and I do this podcast and we've built it up and I feel like we've done a great job with it. And then moving forward, we could use this as a platform to promote our own music and things like that. Jen has done that same sort of thing in her own way. She has, and, and seeing her live, it's difficult to just get up there with an acoustic guitar. You don't have your band behind you. It's right just you you're you're naked so to speak it's the guitar and you you make a mistake everybody hears it and she she killed it she owned the audience she 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 just had him captivated from the minute she hit the stage and she's not just a, an awesome performer on video she's awesome in person i'm glad we got her on the podcast now because i feel like in a, a few years from now there's a good chance we'll be like we had jen <laughs> jen fiorentino on the podcast as like top of our list of like uh feathers in our cap you know <laughs> i feel the same way oh yeah and chris speaking of feathers Tell them about this month's charity. Uh, what the heck does feathers have to do with this month's fundraiser, Chris? I don't get it. Well, I guess I was just thinking about my cats staring out the window and looking at birds and thinking about murdering them. <laughs> well, okay. I guess I, guess I could... Uh, I, I guess. It was a stretch. It, it was a stretch, man. I'm sorry. I'm trying my best here. You're always so good, though, that I was I was yeah. surprised you weren't a little more in the ballpark. Anyway... It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> this month's fundraiser is Kitty Corner Cat Rescue and Lounge, located in Everett, Washington, since their start in 2016. They have saved over 2,000 cats and kittens from high-kill shelters and cared for them until they found their forever homes. Kitty Corner is more than a shelter. It's also a place where you can just go and hang out with the kitties in a comfy, lounge-style setting. That sounds really cool if you're a cat lover, a lover or if you're not a cat lover. Just uh, uh, It sounds like a lot of fun. Head over to KristaMakesADifference.com. That'll link you to their site, and uh, you could uh, make a donation and help out. A great organization. I have a confession. What is that? When I was younger, I didn't like cats. And now I feel like such a jerk because I am the world's biggest cat lover. <laughs> Once I got my own cats, I feel like I don't own the cats. I feel like they're my roommates. They live with me. I take care of them, but I don't own them. They are their own beings. And I understand that. Now that I understand cats, I love cats. And if anyone out there can pitch in a few bucks this month to 
ChrisMakesADifference.com. Check it out. Uh, it's a great cause, man. I love cats too. My problem is I'm allergic, and when I zoom with Chris, who's 400 miles from me, I can I, I get allergic through the computer screen. That's that's how allergic <laughs> I am to cats. But yes, head over to ChrisMakesADifference.com and help us out if you could. Thanks to each and every one of you who help us out each month. And speaking of those who help us out each month, thanks to each and every one of you who have picked up my book, Blast from the Past, that was released a couple months ago. We're in the middle of this year and a half, 18 month book campaign. Every couple months, uh, I'm releasing new music and the new seven inches out, Chris, with two new songs, Never Surrender and Father Time. Dude, these songs are great. And I won't say that it's greater than the songs, but the cover of this new seven inch is incredible. Once people (laughs) see it, how old are you in that photo? Oh, geez, probably 16. (laughs) Yeah, you look amazing. Your haircut's amazing. It's kind of like a new wave mullet. I I don't even know how to describe that haircut. What, What would you call that? I was like halfway in between, uh, uh, you know, Duran Duran and Winger, somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah, but it's a limited edition 7-inch, and if you haven't picked up the book yet, now's the time to do it. And I know we're past 420 now, but it's some 420-themed merch. It's some stoner-themed merch. You can throw a Frisbee around. We got some rolling papers. And, uh, yeah, all you got to do is go to chrisdemakesabook.com, and you can get yourself a limited 7-inch and... Chris, at the end of this episode, after we're finished, I'm going to play one of the songs in its entirety. It's a song called Never Surrender. Dude, I love that song. Incredible song, man. Well, thank you very much. And again, thanks to each and every one of you for uh, for supporting it. All the songs uh, that I'm releasing all tie back into the book. Uh, they're all inspired by the book. It's kind of like a reverse concept record. And every three months, we're going to have new music. And at the end of the book campaign, around the summer of 2022, all of these songs are going to wind up on my first full-length solo album. So again, thank you for the support. And speaking of support, thanks to everyone who supports our VIP program and our supporting cast at ChrisDemakes.com. We love making the After Party episodes. You know, we can talk about whatever we want in the After Party episodes. It doesn't have to just be songwriting. It can really be anything we want. Hope you guys are enjoying that. We have a couple different levels over there. And it really helps us continue making this podcast, which I'm assuming you love if you're listening to it right now. That's right, Chris. Well, again, thanks to each and every one of you. And if you haven't already joined the Chris to Makes a Podcast Facebook group, we love the feedback, especially for the supporting cast, so we can tailor it and make it as cool as we possibly can for you. And I want to thank this week's guest, Jen Fiorentino, for sitting in the hot seat with us this week. And as promised, Chris is going to play you my brand new single, Never Surrender, right now. We'll see you next week.
Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. 